Hi, this is Dave, and I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch Rewind. Wayne and I had some scheduling conflicts this week, so we thought we'd go into the vaults and bring you our take of Season 1 of BBC America's Orphan Black. Originally, this podcast aired on July 12th, 2013, not too long after Season 1 ended. So if you haven't seen it, Make sure you see it because there are spoilers all over the place. If it's a revisit for you, that's great. Hope you enjoy it. In fact, I'd forgotten we even did it in the first place. It's been, what, five years now. So sit back. Hope you enjoy our look at Orphan Black Season 1. Life is hard when you don't know who you are. It's harder when you don't know what you are. My love carries a death sentence. I was lost for years, searching while hiding. You're listening to episode 42 of Fatalists, a podcast devoted to the supernatural series Lost Girl and everything sci-fi, supernatural, and basically anything Wayne and I feel like talking about. My name is Dave, and I am a neolutionist. My name is Wayne, and I'm a Luddite. All right. So how you doing? Great, man. It's been a while. So, yeah. It has been a while. Um, What's been happening? Uh, well, you know, I spent a week in Iowa with my sister. Her, uh, she had just a, a young son. Everyone's going to go, oh, in a second here. But uh, she had just had a baby, and, and he uh, had uh, needed heart surgery. And so I went in to kind of be a live-in maid for a week. And so I did the cooking and cleaning and washing up and everything. Uh, but by the time I left, uh, the baby was doing great. Uh, he was eating eating well, and he was looking much better. So, uh, yeah. All so, right. Yeah, then it's, then it's back back to the normal. Uh, shipped off three of my four kids to camp, so we just got the one. But she has just been tearing it up. All right, what's going on with her? So, <laughs> all right, uh, That's another story. Been able to watch anything? Have I? Yes. Well, um, so I think I mentioned before I was doing a Fringe rewatch, and I finished that up. Um, I actually took my season five DVD to Iowa with me, but didn't have a chance to watch it there. But as soon as I got back, I uh, watched season five, and guess what? It's still awesome. All right. Yeah, I'll have to do that. I haven't rewatched that in quite a while, and I certainly haven't rewatched seasons four or five. Yeah, and, and that was actually the best part because I'd seen seasons one, two, and three twice. But I'd only seen season four the one time when it was actually going on. And, and season five I'd kind of seen twice because I, I, I would watch the show a number of times. So, um but this is the first time going straight through for season four and five for me. And that was that was a treat. That was fun. That's such a such a good show. Um, and uh, you know, I hope it it finds some kind of life after death. I guess I I I, I think there's they left it open there with Walter uh, going into the future that uh, you know Peter can go. I don't know, whatever. There's possibilities that I think, um, like Star Trek. You know that ultimately. Uh, the 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 fan base is going to get large enough. People like like my nephew, who's twenty one, a month ago comes up to me. He's like, "Have you ever seen Fringe?" I'm like, "Dude, <laughs> <laughs> you well, you know, and that's yeah." What- so uh, you know, he, I, but he just saw it on Netflix, started watching it, and immediately said, "This is awesome." So he's going to tell his friends, right? They're going to get into it. They're going to you know, and the show, especially through Netflix, is going to get a massive massive fan because it's an awesome show and people know that and they're going to see that and it's going to get to a point where they're, they're the people who count the, the dollars are going to say man 
look how many people are watching this thing. Let's let's make a movie or let's right. And what what, what always bothers me is that it, it, very often, I mean, obviously, like you said, it's dollars and cents for the studios that are making it. But so many times it comes down to the actors that no, I'm done with that character. And on the one hand, I get it, but on the other hand, you're an actor. I mean, it's it's a very transient career, and and you know, here you, you got a role that everybody loves. We want you to do it. Attention, Matt Smith. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. Because, well, I mean, like David Tennant, I know has has been keeping busy since he yeah. left, but it's not like he's you know pulling down the you know the Brad Pitt bucks. Um, but he's been in quite a few movies, and I know he's he's doing a lot of stuff on with the RSC and everything. Um, well, maybe not with the RSC, but I know he's doing stage stuff as well. So, um, you know, but. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I don't imagine he's pulling down the the type of cash he's pulling down for Doctor Who. Right, oh. and 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 you never know, you know, doing these podcasts that we've been doing, you know, Lost Girl, you know, Continuum, um, heck, even even Defiance, where we're, we're really doing, you know, the Canadian sci-fi, and we're you know we're getting to know the actors in the show, uh, you know, I mean, not personally, but you know, just you know, through reading interviews about them, and and, and you know, it's they're able to lead a relatively normal life. And are they making the big bucks like they would in Hollywood? Well, no, probably not. You know, could they? I think a lot of them could. So I guess uh, you wonder whether it's a conscious choice. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny because I, I, I'm, I'm listening to this book in my car about the um, the actual women who are behind the movie. I don't know. You probably have never seen Chicago. Um, is that Richard Gere? And, yeah. Okay. And, like, I know Renee, of But it. see, my point here is Renee Zellweger mm-hmm. was in that. And I can't remember – the girl who's like married to Michael Douglas, right? I think. Oh, Catherine Zeta. J- uh, yeah, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. yeah, like, what what's happened to her? I can't remember the last time I saw her. Well, it's movie. funny you mentioned that. I just saw, you know, uh, my wife and I rarely watch things together anymore, and she, uh, I believe the movie's called After Effects. Or, no, I'm sorry, Side Effects, and okay. she said. You know, can we get that? I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And uh, oh, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, she's in that. And uh, it, it's one of these things I don't even necessarily want to – the side effects refers to side effects of pharmaceuticals. Okay? And I don't it, – it, it's, again, one of those – did you ever see the movie where Edward Norton is on trial and Richard Gere is his lawyer? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and then you, right. you, you get to the end and yeah, it's like yeah. – uh, we'll try to keep this podcast uh, non-explicit, but oh my! There's a there's a, a, a pretty yes. strong plot twist, there. and yeah, that's yeah. how this movie uh, is, and and she's in that. But anyway, you know, we, but but still, like literally, like as I'm listening, this, I'm like, yeah, Chicago. Like I remember, yeah, was, you know, you know, um, Renee Zellweger was, in it, and then there was that that woman. Like, gosh, she was in. She was a big background, but but I mean, you know what I'm saying is that sure. like. It is transient, you know? Like, yeah. if you got a nice regular gig, yeah. I mean, I know it's a lot of work. I know television especially yeah. is, is a drag. You know, it's a drag. It's, it's a lot, especially, like, if you get, like, Fringe was, like, 21, sure. you know, episodes a season. Um, but uh, but it's regular work, yeah. you know? Like, you'll know if you'll get that again once, so. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing. You, you know, all these, these Canadian actors, you know, uh, where you'll see them popping up in, you know, multiple shows, right. which, 
you know, you almost you feel like asking them, it's like, geez, do you have this little like calendar on your refrigerator that tells you yeah. today I go to Continuum, tomorrow I go to Arctic Air? Well, Google Calendar is nice for that. Oh, right? okay. So, well, they're yeah. probably like Roger Cross, man. That guy's got to have oh. the busiest schedule ever. Exactly. He's everything. Yep. Yep. He's a perfect one. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the heck I've been watching. Obviously, uh, a lot of defiance that season ended, and you're a little lukewarm on the ending or it was it was it was good yeah it was it was probably better than it had been the previous couple of weeks mm-hmm. um as you know i yeah. liked it but yeah. you know i just i think uh defiance when i well, i saw the first one i was like oh this show is is great and it was still good but it like i, I said before to you not to everyone out there but that um no, it, it wasn't a show that I would like be like, oh man, it's Defiance Night. You know, I gotta, I gotta watch watch this show tonight. You know, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it maybe mm-hmm. Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it's on the DVR. So, you know, so I wasn't very, I, I, I just didn't get like really very deeply emotionally into it. But it's still, you know. Yeah, awesome. I, I'm enjoying it, and uh, you know, I thought the ending was pretty good. Uh, I've been keeping up with Andromeda. You know, plugging along in that, I'm nearing the end of season four, and so all we got is season five to go. But you know, right now we're sort of in a lull in terms of live TV in uh, in sci-fi. So you know, uh, now before we go too much further, we're at eight minutes and a half, and we haven't reminded the listeners that tonight's show is about Orphan Black, and we are going to spoil everything. So if you haven't seen it, or or you don't care. Turn off your iPod right now. Right, and, and and go back and watch all ten episodes. Then listen to the podcast. Or if you don't care, you know, right? Because look, there are people out there that read the last page of a book. True. So, and, and I know there's people, and like Michael, I believe is one of them who loves spoilers. Right? Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, I I can't. I I won't. I won't even watch the that little clip they show at the end. And defiance. Defiance would not only show you what was going to happen at the end of the, the, the past show, but they, at the beginning of the current show, they would show you what's going to happen in that show that week. And so right. I'd have to fast forward through that, you know? So, um, so sometimes avoiding spoilers can be hard work. Well, what makes, you know, now defiance for me, it was a little different issue because you, you know, you know, I'm doing defiance on TV talk. So what they're actually doing out on YouTube is they put out the first four minutes of every episode. Hmm. So now, in that regard, it was nice because it helped us prepare a little bit. You know, sure. we had some idea of what the episode was going to be about. Um, but ordinarily, yeah. And, and that's what was driving me crazy as I was rewatching Orphan Black is that I almost didn't have a chance. You know, a lot of times there'll be a lull in the, you know, between the end of the episode and then next week on Orphan. Man, they're right into it. I'm like, no. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Orphan Black. Yeah. Because you think it's still the episode. Yeah. Because there's no fade out or anything. Also, it's like they flip the next scene, and, and uh, well, because normally you see like the closing credits, right? Yep. Like someone's name pops up, and like, okay, here's the part. You start fast forwarding so you don't get spoiled. But they didn't do that. They would do the closing credits over the previews for the next week. So yeah, you really had to like go la 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 la. That's your fast forwarding. But uh, yep. All right. Well, let's let's get into the news before we uh, you know go too much further. Right. But once again. If you have not seen Orphan Black, we are totally going to talk about everything. There are some plot points in this show that you will absolutely not see coming. Well, you, you might see them coming, but you might not. But if you listen, 
You definitely won't because you'll know it already. Right. So right. you've been warned. In sci-fi news tonight, it's, we're, we're just going to focus on you know, really the biggest event in the sci-fi community, and that is San Diego Comic-Con, which is going to run from July 18th to the 21st. And what I wanted to do is just kind of hit some of the highlights that, that you and I would be interested in and that we think the listeners would be interested in. And the thing about it is if, if history repeats itself, which it probably will, most of these panels will end up on YouTube, either officially or unofficially. So, and apparently the, even if it's unofficially, the officials are fine with it and leave the stuff up there. All right. So right, Thursday, because you can't like, if you're watching on, on YouTube, then you can't like walk around in your Luke Skywalker. Kind of thing, so. <laughs> Good point. So, all right. Now on Thursday, uh, we've got a panel that's going to discuss the 35th anniversary of Battlestar Galactica. Now you're, you're, you're doing the math there at home. It's the 35th anniversary of the 1978, the original one. Yeah, so hosting the panel is Richard- to do the math on that one. You're really bad at math. Right. Okay. <laughs> now hosting the panel is Richard Hatch, who was Captain Apollo in the original. Oh, which you, you actually screwed up on your take five. Did I? Yeah. Because you said he was Starbuck. Oh, you're right. Um, I almost want to do a take five where I like correct all the mistakes you made oh. in two take five so far. Yeah. I could probably fill up five minutes. Oh, God. Well, there you go. All right. (laughs) Uh, And then Tom Zarek in the reboot. Um, And then several of the directors. And, you know, so I could throw the names out there, uh, Kevin Grazier. But some of these guys, they're either dealing with Falling Skies, Caprica, Defiance, Battlestar Galactica. But the interesting thing, they're saying they're going to be surprised Battlestar Galactica guests who will discuss and celebrate the 35th, 35-year history and future of the three Battlestar Galactic franchises. So that's what got me, you know, that, oh, is there something else coming up? I mean, you know, as far as we know, Caprica's done. Uh, Blood and Chrome, um, you know, really haven't heard anything, anything you know, past the two-hour, you know, mini-movie or whatever it is. So, like, I mean, it's, what, like, almost three years old now since they filmed it, right? Because they filmed it a year before it. Right. Well, so maybe like two and a half years. Yeah, and I definitely enjoyed but, uh, it. I mean, you know, that that the actor who's playing Bill Adama might not be by the time they get around to making that show. <laughs> He'll be 40. <laughs> yeah. He's not, so. not going to look like he's a kid anymore. All right. All right. Now, another panel on Thursday is for Sherlock and Stephen Moffat, who we all know from Doctor Who, uh, Mark Gaddis, who's one of the co-creators, and Sir Virch- Sue Virtue are going to be discussing the latest adventures of Sherlock Holmes and his long-suffering faithful friend, Dr. Watson. So, uh, you know, that's going to be returning for the 2013-14 season. Now, here's a panel I absolutely love, and it's called Not Guilty Due to Zombification, Law and Forensic Psychiatry in a Zombie Apocalypse. Uh. All right, so what they're, the premise, during a zombie apocalypse, humans are playing by a new set of rules. Or no rules at all. Zombies kill humans. Humans kill zombies. Humans murder each other. And there are no legal repercussions. But suppose the zombie apocalypse ends, and now people are responsible for their actions. So it's got, they've got a panel of lawyers yeah. that are going oh, yeah. to... Well, see, that's, that's funny because that's exactly what In the Flesh dealt with. Okay. That was, it was like after, at the end of the zombie apocalypse, and the zombies are, are actually able to return to society... And, uh, or the, what do they call the, the, I can't, oh, I can't remember the euphemism they called. Oh, I can't believe I can't remember. It was like the, the recently deceased or something like that, or it, that wasn't it, but it was, it was something like that. Um, but yeah, the, the whole show was dealing with, uh, you know, the, uh, the 
the undead being trying to reintegrate into society and everything. And well, they're going to have a mock trial as well. So, you know, <laughs> it, it just sounds really cool. Hopefully that will end up on YouTube. Yeah. Now, on Friday, there's going to be a defiance panel and uh, it, Grant Bowler, who plays Nolan, Julie Benz, who's uh, ex-mayor, Amanda Rosewater, Jamie. Yeah, Moore. but, you know, yeah, probably, the, yeah, and I, that's, won't, I won't spoil it, but you know, I, I, I imagine she's going to have to resume her duties. Yep. Uh, Jamie Murray, who plays Stama, uh, and other cast members are going to be there Stama. to discuss uh, the overwhelming success of Defiance, the show and the game, and share exclusive details from the second season. Um you know, I, I mean, obviously I was paying attention to the numbers and the numbers were pretty good, but they weren't through the roof. But apparently and, and you know, from things I've read and, and talking to my uh, my younger, uh, I guess, uh, you know, informants who actually play the game, the game, they, they say the game's pretty cool and that there apparently is a huge fan base for the, the you know, for the game. So we'll see how that goes. Um, there's going to be one for Helix there, which is Ronald D. Moore's. Yeah, they, I, in fact, I, I was watching uh, the last episode of Defiance last night, and I, they had the trailer for Helix. Okay. And I was just like, right. come on, tell me it's starting like next week, right? Oh, nope. Like, yeah. When's it starting? Like 2014? Is it um, like? Yeah, I believe so. So, And that's going to be on Sci-Fi I'm Network. I was thinking like, why, why? I mean, I, I know why you're showing It's the same reason why I watched Orphan Black, because you know BBC America started – putting out who was orphan black like half a year before the show came out so by the time it really came out i i really want to know who orphan black was right all right now uh the next one you know again and 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 i'm just gonna throw this out there but but you know wayne and i haven't you know this is not etched in stone but we think our next show is going to deal with zombies yes uh so there's going to be a walking dead panel uh, and I don't know who any of these people are. Uh, you watch Walking Dead, sure. correct? Give me the so, names. Uh, these are the stars: Andrew Lincoln, yep. Norman Reedus, Stephen yep. Yoon, Lauren Cohan, uh, Denai Guerrera, David Morrissey. Actually, I know who right. he is. Yeah, yeah, you know David um, Scott Wilson, Chad Coleman. He's um, the governor. He's, he's uh, a big baddie. Executive producer and showrunner Scott Gimple. Uh, Robert Kirkman, on and on and on. But they're going to discuss the record-breaking third season of The Walking Dead. What uh, they've got to look forward to in season four, which will debut this fall on AMC. So uh, I can almost guarantee this panel is going to end up on YouTube somewhere because yeah. it's so huge. All right. Now, X-Files creator Chris Carter is on a panel. Okay. And the, you know, they're going to discuss the 20 years of the X-Files, uh, the new season 10 comic, and apparently they're going to be a surprise guest or two. And I know from uh, past YouTube panels, uh, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson have shown up before. And the only problem, Wayne, is they're just gonna they're just gonna tease us. It's like they're gonna tease you. You know, no, um, you know, so David, we, oh yeah, I'd love to do the show again. You know, and it's like Gillian, oh yes, I'd be. You know, and. So anyway, um, yeah, they're just stringing you along, stringing you along. Yeah. Now there's going to be a Haven panel with uh, Eric Balfour, uh, Adam Copeland, Lucas Bryant, and uh, new cast member Colin Ferguson from Eureka. Uh, Almost Human, which I think we've talked about that before. That's where we're in the future, and and the I believe it's LAPD. Uh, this, oh, oh yeah, that, that's the new J. H. Uh, uh, Wyman and J. J. Yeah, yeah, Abrams, yeah, right, right. right? And that the uh, the Detectives are paired with a synthetic 
partner. Right. It, okay. I mean, it sounds, I, I've said this each time you brought it up, but I'll say it one more time. It sounds exactly like Alien Nation, which was already okay. a movie in the show. Okay. But, you know, with those guys doing it, it yeah. should be pretty good. But I, why, why not just call it Alien Nation? Yeah, you know, good point. All right. Of, Totally copying it and then uh, call it, make it sound like it's an original idea, so uh, which it's not. All right, there's going to be a Falling Skies panel. Noah Wiley, Moon Blood, uh, Blood Good, Blood Will Good. Patton, um, and others. Q and A session, uh, and then there's going to be some never before seen footage from the upcoming third season. And we already said we don't want spoilers, so I don't even want spoilers from the third season. But the moderator, Will Wheaton. So nice. that should be pretty cool. All right. Now, this not much info. It's called Dark Horse Joss Whedon. And, uh, you know, he's obviously, you know, done some shows that are near and dear to our heart. And uh, apparently here's our here's the chance to find out what he's got in store next. And, and obviously he's he, now he's a big movie guy, right? Yeah, but isn't he doing the, the shield? I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, so I, I'm assuming it's something other than that. But, you know. Who knows? All right. Orphan Black is also going to have a panel there nice. with uh, Critics' Choice Award winner Tatiana Maslany, Jordan Garvaris, Dylan Bruce, and then co-creators Graham Manson and John Fawcett. And, uh, you know, we're not going to say anything more about that panel. All right. Now, on Saturday, I'm just going to do them real fast. Once Upon a Time, Down the Rabbit Hole, and Once Upon a Time, the spinoff off to Neverland. Uh Entertainment Weekly's Women Who Kick Ass, and they're going to have Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, did you watch any of the Fast and Furious no. movies? Okay. Eh, you've seen one. You don't need to see the other 11. Um, but obviously we know her from Lost, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, and now her name is escaping me, Anna Lucia uh, from Lost. Uh Tatiana Maslany and uh, Denai Guerrera from The Walking Dead. And, you know, they're going to talk about women who kick ass. All right, Being Human's going to have a panel, Vampire Diaries, Revolution. And several of these are doing what they're calling special video presentations and Q&A. So, you know, I think in a, in a lot of uh, uh, aspects, there there's just not going to be any stars there. They're just going to show you some footage. Uh, Warehouse 13, Arrow, um, apparently Stephen Amel is going to be there, uh, Katie Cassidy. But uh, And then on Sunday, Doctor Who 50th anniversary, uh, Matt Smith, Jenna Coleman, Stephen Moffat. So, you know, kind of uh, – Stephen Moffat's going to be busy. Yeah, he is going to be a busy well, boy. I think he's just busy in general. And Under the Dome. Have you seen Under the Dome? I ha- I I have the first three episodes all waiting to. to Are there watch. three? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've only I seen think. one, which I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't watched them yet. Okay. So it could be. It just it says Under the Dome three on my DVR. So there's there's three all things right, recorded right. there. Um, all right. Well, we'll but we'll maybe talk about Under the Dome in the coming weeks. You know, one if time. it's any good. Well, or even talk about even if it's not any good. Yeah, we'll, that might you know, be better. If it's yeah, not maybe good. we'll talk about a couple of shows. All right, so. Uh, Let's get into some Orphan Black, and obviously, if you've seen Orphan Black, you know that the core of the show deals with cloning and clones and a lot of the ethical implications. So, you know, in the, in tonight's Project X, Wayne's going to take a look, I think, at some of the at the science, right? Absolutely. All right. So, so I've been uh, poking around trying to find out. You know, you, you heard like genetic engineering, and you see this stuff on TV all the time. I was trying to figure out if you're know, trying to, you know, kind of separate the science fact from the science fiction. Um, so here's a basic rundown. 
the, there's like three different types of genetic engineering that they do. So you got somatic cell manipulation, which is the cells that do not pass DNA onto the next generation. Uh, this is what they call like gene therapy. So this is what they just would change the individual. It's nothing you would pass on. Um, the the germline manipulation is when they actually change the DNA that actually does pass on from one generation to the next. So actually one of my questions was in it, do clones reproduce? Because like when I was in high school, like when they talked about clones, like, well, you know, when you clone something, then it is not fertile. It can't reproduce. But um, obviously, you know, uh, Sarah has reproduced. And from everything I've read, clones would be able to reproduce. Mm-hmm. So so that's, I don't know where that came from. <clears throat> um, well, you were in high school so long ago. Right, yeah, right, right. long ago. Uh, back, back in the future. Anyway, so... Uh, so, uh, but germline manipulation is um, is is still in the realm of science fiction, actually, from my source I saw, uh, but just barely. <laughs> so they're getting close. Apparently, this is what a lot of the scientists who are working with it. And then there's cloning is the, the the third type of actual cloning a person taking their DNA, putting it into a uh, an, an embryo, or making an embryo from it by putting it into a, an egg cell. And then having reproducing that person, um, though it's it's funny that with the um, and you would have a, a near genetic copy of another person, um, but the the key as we've seen here in every science fiction show from you know the the boys of Brazil to Orphan Black is that there is nature and then there's nurture right, right? that uh, the the people grow up. So how do we have a Helen and how do we get a Sarah? They are. Exactly, like they're, they're they're the exact same DNA, but two vastly different people. Um, so the the article I said says it seems unlikely that any of this will ever succeed, and um, you know I hope that because you really think about the scary stuff that can happen. I mean, one of the things is that um, with, with with germline manipulation, especially, is you can create. The you know it's like it's like Hitler's wet dream. Right, you can create the perfect person if you if you can find a way to to manage DNA at that level, then you can create a baby. You can create a super baby. Well, and and there, you, like you mentioned, I mean, I read a book a number of years ago called "What Kind of People Should There Be," and it was about you know the the ethics of eugenics. And and one of the questions they raised that you know if we know what the the damaged gene is that causes, um, you know, say Down syndrome and that doctors could go in, you know, to a pregnant woman who's going to give birth to a Down syndrome baby and that they could fix that gene, should we do it? And, you know, immediately people want to say, well, yes, of course you should. You know, but then you keep taking it a step further. Okay, well then, but they'll also know that, okay, we can go in and manipulate the gene that will produce blonde hair and blue eyes and, and things like that, and then you know that that we just have to be careful. And I think that's one of the things that you know they're exploring here is that you know you have to be careful. Yeah, and and also something we see in, in Orphan Black is is part of it is that you know, genes don't just control just one characteristic, right? So you change one thing, like if you try to get that blonde haired kid, you try to get that six foot three kid. Um, you know, there there might be other consequences, and so we see with the clones, and you know, some of them are suffering from health problems. They have severe health problems. Um, 
Helena's mental instability, the you know, like the the the, uh, the people at uh, Neolution attribute that to the, an aberration in the DNA, but probably that's because of you know how she was brought up. Right, like that's probably the more nurture, not nature. Um, so, so that's another thing is that once we start mucking about, you know, the we have you know consequences and, and that's always with with science in general right i mean from oppenheimer is you know classic example that you know if if we just look at the what's right in front of us and that's the problem with when science doesn't mer- merge with morality y- yes you're a scientist and you can solve the problem at hand but by doing so are there larger implications that that we don't know about and and certainly with this i mean just the the idea and and you know we saw uh, you know it kind of reminded me of like dollhouse yeah and you know just this idea i mean it's scary to think that well basically if you got the money you can create a super intelligent super strong super fast kid and who can then pass those genes on but uh Potentially, they can only mate with other people of this new, you know, special race or whatever. So then you get like the rich, the poor, you know, this class, this class, and now you have, right. you know, two different. It's you know just the, yeah. I mean, the the implications for science fiction obviously are enormous, but you know, obviously, we're at a cusp where you have to think about these things now. A couple of times during this, people said, "Well, human cloning is illegal." That, my friend, is not true in the United States. Uh, it is true in Canada. Canada law prohibits cloning humans, cloning stem cells, and growing human embryos for research purposes. Um, but the United States in 98, 2001, 2004, 2007, um, they tried to come up with a bills to ban human cloning, but each time the, uh, the Senate knocked it down. Um, now it is illegal to use federal funds to uh, for human cloning, but it's it's not illegal. So at the end of Orphan Black, when you see like they got a patent on them, I'm like that's crazy, but maybe not so much. Yeah, I'm like that's not even legal. How can they patent it? But then it's not illegal. It's it's perfectly. It, I'm, I'm gonna say perfectly legal because it's not these people out there like going crazy cloning, but um, but certainly it's a. Uh, um, you know, it's it's a possibility. Uh, though we do live in one of the 13 states that has banned reproductive cloning. The great state of Maryland is, is, is in there. Um, and also Maryland is one of three states that prohibits the use of public funds for, for cloning as well. So, okay. Yeah, yes, I guess. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. So, you know, it's it, – I mean this show can go anywhere. But uh, – all right. So is that uh, – that, yeah, that's else it, on, uh, basically. Yeah, right, cool. it, was, it was really interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I decided, you know, took this on for Project X because I, I learned a lot of, uh, yeah. All right. So uh, Wayne and I are here to talk about season one of Orphan Black, uh, 10 episodes. And, you know, we've gone on record. You know, we love the 10 to 13 episode season shows. And, and this was no exception. And, you know, like we said, it raises issues about the moral, ethical implications of human cloning. But also, you know, the, the whole uh, issue of personal identity, search for self, which, you know, it, it can be that trite literary theme. And mm-hmm. yet in this case, it's anything but. So 
Um, all right, so here's what we've got, and then I'll I'll let you open up wherever you want to start. But you know, we've got basically ten clones that we know of. Okay, we've got Sarah Manning, right. who's our main character, small time con woman, uh, origins in the UK, right, and was right. brought over to North America. And I'm not really sure if we've you know the in the opening episode. At the train station, you know, you hear the the conductor saying something about train to New York. So are we in the U.S.? Or? Well, you know, I mean, like a number of people have noted that there's some scenes where they have Ontario license plates. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Felix does say human cloning is illegal, so. Okay. All right. But I, I know that the, they, they want it to be, like, yeah. nowhere some, and everywhere. Right, right. right. But, uh, you know. All right. So we know. And so we've got ten clones. Five dead or f- five are dead. Five are alive. We know four from North America, five from Europe, and one undetermined. So uh, we've got Beth Childs. Not, hold on. Well, I'll run through them. Okay, so we've got Sarah Manning from the UK, who's very much alive. Beth Childs, right. Canada, dead. She was the detective that uh, right. obviously that Sarah assumed her identity. Allison Hendricks, our uh, soccer mom from suburbia, Canada. We have Kasima Niehaus, the biologist. Sure. Uh, you know... I'm always going to, you know, Sarah's always going to be my first love, I think, in this show. But Cosima's really growing on me. Uh, oh, over Felix and Allison? Well, Felix isn't uh, a clone. Oh, oh you're, you're, as far as clones. Or, I thought you meant or just is he? Or is he? But That's, we'll talk about that later. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so she's from the U.S. Uh, Helena, the religious fanatic, self-flagellist from the Ukraine, uh, very much alive. Uh, no. Well, no, not very she much alive did. anymore. That would uh, be assumed. We assume, right. Yeah, uh, this, took a bullet a classic, to the chest. Uh, classic just kind of like cuts out with the person sitting there and just leaves, you know, open for a future episode for her to pop back up and say, ha-ha, I'm still alive. You know, it's not like they have to hire the actress again, right? They got, <laughs> right. They got Tatiana Maslany right there, so. Yeah, and, and, you know, um, well, let me, let me go through these two. You could try to remember that point. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, we've got Katya Obinger, the German who we see in you know early on and is she shot barely gets a word out before she gets popped exactly by uh, Helena by Helena uh, we've got Danielle Fournier dead from France who we only know from her records uh, Ariana Giordano dead we only know from her uh, records from Italy and uh, Janneke Zingler from Austria also dead and and again um, but you know getting back to that it's like it, it always amazes me you know these you know these Oh, so-and-so is a great actress. What a great job. She did the accent and, you know, Meryl Streep. I mean, you know, I just, it, it just grates on my nerves. You know, she doesn't That's accent. That's right. I forgot she, you don't like Meryl Streep. Oh. Like, so well, you got to Meryl Streep, man. So here you've got Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. Okay. She's doing an English accent. She's doing a North American accent. Um, she's doing, you know, soccer mom from, I mean, you know, what do you want? Well, it's not even just the accent. If it were yeah. just the accent, that'd be one thing. Right. But when she's talking to herself, I forget that it's one person. Yeah. Like I'm, I just, I'm looking at it like it's two different actresses. And then every now and then I'm like, oh my God. Like I was just telling actually Danielle this the other day and like, especially the one scene uh, I think it's the it's it's not the first episode I don't think but it's in the early episode she meets with Allison at at their place I think she goes to meet with Allison and Casima and Felix is out in the car and he gets sick of waiting there because he gets creeped out in the suburbs 
So he comes in. Allison freaks out, grabs a gun, points it at her. Uh, Sarah comes out, says, that's my brother. Put the gun down. She puts the gun down. And then she hits her. And right. I'm like, she just hit herself. How? Yeah. I'm like, how, how? You know, like, I didn't go back to break it down, like, shot by shot. But I'm like, it's just, they, they You mean the it. technical aspect. Right. Like, yeah. the, the technical aspect of you just hit yourself. Yeah. Um, the, in the last episode, actually, and I, I was, this one I was paying attention for because um, uh, 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 Kasima comes in and uh, Sarah's a little annoyed. They, they meet at, uh, at Felix's apartment. And uh, Sarah's still a little annoyed with her because Kasima didn't listen to her with the whole Delphine thing. Um, and so she walks in and they hug. Right. And see that one I figured out because you can see them starting to reach for each other to hug. And it doesn't look awkward. It's just I was completely paying attention. Saying, right. Well, they're going to hug. I'm like, oh, they're going to pay attention. And then, uh, and then they, they show like Sarah or I think Kasima reaching around over Sarah. So they just obviously had a body double right. in there because and everything. But uh, it's just, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you literally forget that it's one person playing all these roles. And that's the mastery of it. I mean, she completely inhabits each of these separate characters and makes them so that they are indistingu- like indistinguishable from one another. Yeah. And they are completely individual characters with their own personalities, their own mannerisms, their own way of walking and talking. And it is just blows me away. Right. Absolutely blows me right. away. If she doesn't win, like... Actress of the Century Award for this show, then. Well, and, and the you know the irony is that you know the, that who knows about the show? I mean, hopefully it'll be up for like you know the Saturn Awards, the various sci-fi and genre award show. But you know, is it going to be up for an Emmy? I no. mean, come on, no, of course right. not. Um, who, really, now, like, what do you want an Emmy for? You know? Yeah, I know. Now, no, we forgot, or when I say we, I mean me. Uh, <laughs> forgot the tenth one, and that is when we we meet her. You know, Rachel. we yeah, Rachel Duncan. Who uh, Sarah refers to as pro clone? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, actually, uh, Felix makes that. Oh, you're right. Up. Yeah. She she says, uh, you know, up yours pro clone at the end, but Felix is the one who uh, came up with that term. Okay. And she works for apparently the the people that created the clones, and you know, her origins are unknown. Although she has some sort of an accent that. May or may not be European. I mean, who knows? So, um, so at this point, we've got Sarah Manning is alive, Allison Hendricks is alive, Kasima Niehaus is alive, uh, Rachel Duncan is alive, and Helena is probably not alive. Right. So you said five were alive, and I'm like, yeah, well, uh, you're right, I think right, only right, four. right. So Helena may or may not be, but uh, uh, now the re- you know one of the things though you think about, um, and, and I believe it was you that that mentioned this to me uh, probably the day after we saw the episode when it aired the first time when uh, Kira gets hit by the car and that, you know, you're not a big fan of, yeah, it was you. Yeah. Um, And and I agree with you. And it was really, even, even though, even though I knew it was coming, it was still difficult to watch, but the whole idea about her recuperative power and they kind of play that up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, there's certainly um, that maybe, you know, it's potentially, well, well, like I'm just uh, not even getting a sentence out here. Uh, a yes, bothered me when they hit a kid with a car, hurting a kid. You know, I understand. I know it happens in reality. Right. This this isn't reality. It's a TV show, and and obviously that that really bothered me. But you know, um, but moving on. Yes, amazing recuperative powers. She gets smacked by a car. She obviously should have died. 
and she just barely has scratches. Okay, so that's back. why I'm going back to the maybe Helena's not. I mean, look, first, right, right, right. I mean, Helena that's took a piece of rebar. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Pulled it that, out herself. That, that rebar is pretty deep into her too. <laughs> stitch, stitch herself up, and, and she's not even an infection. Right. right? Yeah, so good point. You know. So good we'll point. so we'll see. But um, you know, now I, I know we're not going to go episode by episode. Um, and, and you know, just let me throw this one thing out there, and then you take us wherever you want to go. In the pilot, the opening scene where they're at the train station, and I never noticed this the first time is that. You know, you you know, Sarah. After she gets off the phone, she hears Beth sobbing. Right. And I did, I never heard. I you know I didn't notice that the first time. Oh yeah, I remember that, like the first time. Even then, right. noticed that. Um, I don't know if I noticed a sign, but she was obviously like really upset. And she appears to be heading Sarah heading to her, presumably to see is every, is everything okay. And this is obviously before she knows right that it's her double. Right. And you know. Um, you know, so so right away, it's, you know, I'm thinking, okay, this is, uh, you know, somebody that's compassionate. I mean, I'm not sure I'm the kind of person that if I see somebody on a train station crying, I'll probably turn and go the other way. It's always kind of awkward, you know, when yeah. like, someone's crying. Like, do you go say, are you okay? Or do you just ignore them? I, I usually go with the latter, but I know it's better to do the former. So, um, anyway. But yeah, but well, well, then Beth looks up and sees Sarah. Yeah. And then she kind of, like, rolls her eyes and right. sighs. And then she jumps in front of a train. So, you know, I mean, it, it obviously it looked like she was heading to do that anyway, but you right. know, it's like, oh, I just saw my double. Beth totally knows who she is. Right, exactly. Right. But she isn't instead of doing anything, I mean, she just jumps in front of a train. Right, right. Seeing her. So, right. Um so on it we're, But we're, ha- what would a WTF moment? I mean, like like really like I I've seen a lot of TV. I did not see that one coming. This is the very first scene of the show. And a girl sees her double, who then immediately jumps in front of a train and is killed. It's like you didn't have time to not see that coming. Oh my god! Yeah. Like is this literally seriously? This is how that show is going to start? Like oh my god! Yeah. So where do you want to start? Character, uh, theme? Let's uh, let's let's uh, hmm. let's 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 try theme at first. And if okay. there's any characters that we don't uh, cover, we can we can. And I know this will come as a big shock to the listeners that we may start on theme and get the characters and then uh, forget it. You know, so just roll with it. Exactly. All right. This so, is how like legitimate conversations go. Right. right. Well, would you want to start? You mentioned earlier, you know, nature versus nurture. You want to? Sure. Well, I mean, the big thing is obviously they're all clones, so they're all you know the same genetic material. Um, more or less, and uh, but yet so vastly. Well, well you different. say more or less. I mean, well, because there's, they're, they were able to tell that Sarah wasn't Beth, right? But it was just because of like a like a barcode that right, described. But still, it. I mean, okay, but I don't know that. that well, yeah, but yeah, I don't know the barcode. Okay, it's a different product, right? It's <laughs> okay, how good? All right, so yes, they're the same genetically okay. at the genetic level. They're exactly the same. Um, we we assume, and. Uh, um, you know, but then you have like Allison who was able to go to college. Okay. Has a married her high school sweetheart. Great line from Mrs. S turns to Sarah. It's like, what happened to you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's, yeah. that's exactly what we're right. talking about. Right? right. What happened to you? You know, yep. you're the same person. So how come, you know, like trading places was uh, yeah, the, Eddie sure. Murphy is the classic movie that has the same thing where the whole thing is about, it doesn't matter who you are. 
it's if you give one guy the advantages and take the the other guy those advantages away from him you know the one guy's going to flourish and the one guy's going to flounder right well yeah. one of the things i think the show did really well is continually give us you know information c- continually answer questions i mean raise new ones but certainly at the end one of the things we find out is that you know uh sarah and helena are twins right you know they are twin sisters and there you go one was given to the church one was given to, to the, the state. state she said yeah that was like first of all you gave one to the state of great britain and the church of ukraine like what <laughs> like that that that's the one plot point i just it was like it made no sense like i was so concerned about my daughter that i gave one of them to this well the only thing i guess whacked out yeah well maybe she gave it to a well yeah i know i I know that's a stretch maybe the why don't you just the orthodox church that happens to have a parish in london and they then sent her to the uk okay i know that's it was crazy though you know it's like wait a minute like but we certainly learn you know where she learned her religious fanaticism but even that, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, obviously, you, you and I are not naive. We know that things go on in all religions that are, you know, considered perhaps the dark side of that religion. But, you know, clearly there's something in her personality, her psyche that sent her. Dude, you know what I figured out about her, though? Okay. Because the first time I watched it, um, I remember thinking, God, like her, her mannerisms are so weird. You know, and I figured it out like watching her with that where she meets Sarah and uh, in, in the restaurant, right? And she's eating, and I'm like, she's she's eating like a little kid. Yeah, yeah. She's a little kid, and then everything she does, she it's like she's developmentally stunted. Right. She's like a she's like a six year old kid inside the body of a thirty year old murderer. Right. But they seem to always you know focus it around food. You know that that you like when she goes to Sarah's apartment. One of the first things she goes into the kitchen and she's she's well, that, eating. That's because a little kid, right? Is, they're always hungry, right? They always want food, no matter what you do. You walk into they, a little kid walks in a new place. The first thing they're going to ask is, "I'm hungry. Can I get some something to eat?" Right? You know, like all the time. And she is. She's just a little. She's you know totally. And you know another thing was um, when Amelia came instead of your mother, she looks up and she's like, has a little like a little kid laugh. Like that's funny. You're black. You can't be my mother. Right? You know. Um, and but it's a very immature response, right? Right. Like once again, like every, so. Once I figured, I'm like every time I watch her, she's just like, everything she does is like a little kid, except for when she's going on like her murderous rampage and like headbutting Sarah. Like man, that right. was right. And and you know then now uh, this Tomas uh, is he associated with her church or with you know we know he's with associated with some sort of a group that's opposed to basically. It sounds like all scientific development, but particularly this cloning experiment. Um, you know, is he? You know, and we know he's promoting the idea that she's the original, right? Which apparently, at least what we're told uh, within the context of the show, is that there really is no original, but or there or almost there? has to be, doesn't well, there? Well, and that's a thing, like because there was that one scene where where Rachel and Sarah, and um, you know. Rachel goes, motherhood is wonderful. Yes, I noticed that. And then there's like that pause there. Yeah. And it's like, huh. You know, because technically if if she's the original genetic material. Right. She's kind of like the mother. 
Yeah, but she, wouldn't she be older? No, because they could take the magic material from her when she was the minute she was born. Yeah, okay. All they need is is a is a skin cell, a okay. hair cell. They could yeah, true. They could get that the second she comes out of her mother's womb. Okay. Um, and she does look yeah. maybe slightly older too, though. Okay. Now you know w- with Helena, you know, since we're you know still on that nature nurture, you know that that it's almost like she's got a little bit of a taste of freedom, even though she's on this you know assassination rampage. But it's you know meeting. Sarah, you know, seems to be the thing that that kind of gives her pause. You know, don't you feel it? You know, she tells her, right? And you know, that's before they're told that they're, you know, actually twins. Yeah, uh, and, you know, like again, like a little kid, like you know, like her reactions, everything are just like very like open and upfront, and and uh, things like that, like this connection. Like when when Sarah says, "I don't feel a connection," she she she's hurt. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't. She said, you know, like an adult would probably be like, "Oh, that's weird." But no, she's like devastated. You know, like a little kid who got her hopes up about mm-hmm. something, only to have them dashed. Right. right? But th- but then she's you know aware enough that she you know poses as, uh, she's posing as right. Sarah, posing as Beth, goes into the police station. You know, wearing that, yeah, you know, that, that was... <laughs> and uh, you know starts going through things. And even that, I think she's. She finds she's something eating. to eat. She's eating, yeah. <laughs> right? There's something yep. on her, yep. on Sarah's desk. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, we really almost see, yeah, I don't want to say more change out of her character as we go along, you know, as she's, you know, again, the you know, she's put in a different natural setting. Yeah. Well, and we, we see, I mean, definitely there's the, 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 the extremes of her behavior. You know, she has that deep regret about Kira but still right. kills Amelia, tries, doesn't really, doesn't kill Sarah. You know? Yeah. But, you know, but still, you know, it's like, that's an example of those, those extremes of her behavior there. And yeah. Fascinating and, character. Just. Yeah. And then, uh, and, you know, um, I mean, obviously Sarah's the, the, the primary character in the show, but when we talk about nature and nurture, we don't really know anything about Allison's background other than she went to college. And she met Donnie in high school. That's really all we know. We don't know anything about her parents. And we really don't know anything about anybody else. So, right. you know, with Sarah. Except for um, uh, Kasima says she's from Berkeley. Okay, right. But, Which, you know, in terms of who raised her, we don't really right. uh, we don't really know. Um, yeah. And, well, the, well, then there's something else. Because if, you know. I mean, the show is obviously saying that sexuality is more a, a result. I didn't even think about this before, but just right now is a, a result, obviously, of nature of nurture because, you know, you've got Sarah is. They're all identical. Heterosexual. Uh, Allison is heterosexual, but Kasim is not. Yeah. You know, so, you know, there, there's, there's, I don't know if, I don't know if the show intended to make that same, but that certainly seems to be what they're saying, you know? Yeah. Um, which I'm not sure I, I, I agree with that necessarily, but right, yeah. but but within the context, but, but there are, but yeah, certainly there are aspects of a person's sexuality are are brought about by by how you're raised. But I don't know if you could be raised to be gay or raised to be straight. Right. You know, I mean, there's kids raised by gay parents who are completely straight, and kids sure. raised by straight parents who are sure. gay. So, yeah, I don't know. And maybe you know that might be something we find out in season two. You know, we might get a little more background right. from Casima uh, and, and Allison. Um, okay, so we know Sarah was raised by the state. 
um, which translates to Mrs. S, who adopted Sarah and Felix and basically raised them their whole life. And, and obviously they uh, turned out to be, uh, let's just say, precocious young people because, uh, you know, it's easy to say that, you know, I mean, Sarah Manning was a con artist. I mean, right. I mean there's no other way to put well, there's it. There's that great scene where Kasima's like, well, you'll be, you're all right as long as you don't have the rest. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and like there's that pause. Right. Like, well. Right. And Felix is the same way. I mean, you know, right. I mean, he's, I mean, look, he's a prostitute. I mean, there's no other way. I mean, he's, you know, taking money for sex. Yeah. Um, he sells drugs. If he needs to, or and he yeah. probably always needs to, because well, he's, he's probably not selling too much well, no, art. He, he didn't. Well, I mean, technically, he sold drugs. I mean, he just basically, you know, got rid of a big wad of drugs because he knew who he could get rid of it too. And True. So, I wouldn't necessarily call him a drug dealer. Okay. He's certainly a drug, you know, taker. Yeah. But, um, uh, but re- regardless, you know, it's like you know, these two that were raised by the same woman turned out very similarly. Right. And. Now, well, know, and also the fact that, you know, I mean, it's easy if you like if you presented Felix with what we just said mm-hmm. and told someone that that was what Felix, they, they would maybe get a very negative impression of him. But he is a very human, humane, I would say, character. Oh, um, right. He's going to complain about you asking him to do something. Right. But he's going to do it. He's going to always be there for right. you. Right. And who's there for Allison? Yes. When Allison is at her worst, lowest point, and she asks for him. She's like, her husband, her friends, nope, I don't want to see you. Right. <laughs> I want to see Felix. I thought, I love that. I mean, I saw yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's great. And that's kind of like what he, and see, here's where I think that he might be a monitor, right? For? The, for Sarah. Okay. I know it's a long shot, okay. but there is one line where, you know, she says, "He." I think he says, "Well, maybe I'm your monitor," and she's like, "Yeah, right." You know, it's like a joke, but I, I heard that because I didn't catch that the first time around, but I did the second. I'm like, "Hmm, that's interesting," because Sarah doesn't have a monitor, right? Beth had Paul was Beth's monitor. Everyone else has a monitor right now, but but on the other hand, I mean, okay, don't we hear from Leaky that? they basically don't really know about Sarah or that they've lost track of her, you know, that she's been off the grid. True. So that's why I'm going now. I didn't mention this to you. I was, I'm rewatching over the weekend. So I think I was probably on about episode five and you know, my wife looks up from her computer and, and you know, she's seen me watching it before and she's like five minutes. This looks pretty good. Do you have all the episodes? I'm like, yeah. So we went back to episode one. She knocked off like three in a row. Yeah. And she's the kind of watcher that it's like, you know, well, what about the, like, do you want me to tell you? I know the answer. (laughs) Well, if we were doing predictions, she's like, I think Felix is a clone. Okay. So it could be. I want to throw that out there just for people to think about. Yeah, because, and, you know, almost. Notable by his absence at the end of the episode. Now I, I try. I, think, I was like, because when Sarah comes back to Siobhan's house and and Mrs. S or Siobhan and and Kira are gone, and I was, I was like, well, where was Felix? And I'm like, well, wait, okay, all right, he was back at his apartment with Casima and Delphine, but he right. left, right, right, and then. But so you know, and then you know, she goes, and, and there's no one at, at, at Siobhan's house. 
Now, also, Rachel calls someone and says, you know what to do. Yeah. But we have, and obviously we assume she called me this S, but there's, that's Mrs. S. Actually, when, the more I think about it, I'm like, I don't, I really don't think she called Mrs. S and said, you know, I think Mrs. S saw what was happening and she grabbed Kira and, and split. Okay. Well, here's my thing. The, the photograph. Right. 1977. Right. Two scientists. Yes. Names redacted. Right. I think one of them's Mrs. S. Oh, I, without a doubt. Okay. Without a doubt. Right, right. But also, while you're there, did you notice the name of the project? Uh, no. It was called the Lida Project. Oh, okay. Oh, you were mentioning. Yeah, go ahead. That, so, that's a, that's good stuff. So uh, Lita is a character. So the the project that apparently was started back in was it seventy eight, seventy seven. It was. It was it's well, called, that's the da- that was the date of the picture, right? Professors Blank and Blank Project Lita, July twenty second, nineteen seventy seven. Um, so the clones are about thirty. So if we're assuming that it's taking place in 2012, 2013, this is about five or six years before they were born. And well, their just, birthdays were all nineteen eighty four, right? I think. So they're still almost they? around oh, 30. okay. All right. But at, at one point, someone says, I'm, like, I think Allison says I'm 30 or something. Yeah. Someone says they're 30. So, okay. So maybe slightly in the future. Right. So, again, still uh, before they're born, though. Okay. Certainly before the, the clones are born. Um, so Leda is a character from Greek mythology. Uh, Zeus is up in, in Olympus, sees a hot chick, swoops down in the form of a swan, and impregnates her. Uh, Leda then goes home and gets with her husband who also impregnates her. So she, nine months later, none the wiser, she gives birth birth to two sets of twins. Uh, on the one hand, a set of boys, Castor and Pollux. On the other hand, a set of girls, Clytemnestra, and you guessed it, Helen of Troy. Helen, Helena, right? Okay. So, um, and... So obviously, all these kids go on to uh, great renown. Um, Helen is starting the Trojan War, right? The face that la- launched a thousand ships, and then you think about it—the face that launched a thousand ships. Well, they all have the same face, right? right? Okay. Um, and in fact, that when Allison—that's one of the first things she says to Sarah—that would lend is, credence to her being the original, then Helena. Well, no, because Lita would be the original, right? Lita oh, would be good point. The oh, twins. Okay. Um, and then Clytemnestra, Lita, is, Rachel. Okay. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Okay. Um, and then Clytemnestra was the wife of Agamemnon, who was in charge of the Greek forces during the Trojan War. Um, Agamemnon comes back with his girlfriend that he picked up over there, and uh, and Clytemnestra kills both of them at the end of of Agamemnon, the first uh, play of the Oresteia. And so there's two more plays about them getting their revenge. The, the kids, uh, Electra and oh, what's the boy's name? Orestes. Orestes, yes, yeah. right, because it's the Oresteia. Right. Duh. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's, I remember the Oresteia, but yeah. couldn't they remember Orestes. So anyway, uh, but basically, so you have these 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 women, uh, Clytemnestra and Helen, who you know Helen who caused havoc. Basically, uh, you know, not necessarily intentionally of Clytemnestra, you know. Well, they both make purposeful choices, but cause with um, unforeseen circumstances, I guess. And then Castor and Pollux, there's a, a number of – and I didn't know a lot about them from Greek mythology. What I saw is that, that – uh, I, mean, I knew they were the Gemini twins, and I guess the thing is that the one twin uh, – now here here's, can be the tie-in. Uh, the one twin dies. They get in a scrape with their cousins. 
they all steal cattle together and then there's a, a argument about who's going to get what and uh so there's a fight and the one twin dies but the other one is the son of zeus like because remember two of the kids are have a human father two of the kids have zeus as their father um and so the boys obviously are split uh the, the boy dies and the other one says well give him half of my immortality um and so then they were put up in the stars as as the gemini okay so the one twin is dead but maybe sarah can give up part of her quote-unquote immortality to um she's to, only mostly dead yeah she's only mostly dead maybe so um so yeah like well, i i just i just saw it last night cause I, when they, she flipped the picture over i stopped it because the first time I saw it, I didn't bother to stop it because the story is moving about a mile a minute yeah. at the time, you know. Um, and I was like, Project Lita. I'm like, no way. And Helena, Helen, oh my. Yeah, like, so that's pretty cool. Anyway. All right. So, Sarah, you know, that, that I mean, one of the things I like about her is that, you know, for, you know, this let's just say barely educated. Clearly, she didn't go to college. I get the idea. She probably she went to barely, the school of hard knocks. Yes. And, and, you know, okay. She, we, we said she in the initial episode, she's going over to help this sobbing woman. Okay, she throws herself in front of a train. Mm, let me take her purse. Okay, and that's you know, okay. Hey, she's got keys. Let's take her apartment. Let's take her life. And let's bang her boyfriend. And uh, well, and and I mean, I think one of the most amazing things about the character of Sarah Manning is her ability to pass herself off as a detective oh yeah well and, and she passed herself off as allison at one point well as well yeah yes and i guess you could argue that that was even more difficult right uh because uh but yeah, well, she, she, doesn't, to... she doesn't do like a, a brilliant job of, of being a detective because like like they're in the car but i mean like for but much i would have probably been found out in like two seconds right mm-hmm. like I mean, she does enough she right, but but she learns so quick. I mean, and, and again, I mean, one of the things when she realizes that okay, if I'm going to remain Beth Child, I've got to go through this hearing, and she sits down with the case files, and she's working it out, and it's a lot to remember. Yeah, yeah, and she gets down every detail. Yes, she nails it. Yes, quickly. Yeah. So you know, clearly she's she's really smart. Maybe the smartest of all of them. Although you, I guess you could argue Casima. Casima seems pretty, pretty damn smart. smart. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but they're all have the same in DNA. in science, right. not not in love. She's not smart in right. love. True, true. Well, maybe she is. Maybe Delphine she is. seems like she she might be all right at yeah. the end. Well, you know, just uh, you know, I think with Sarah, you know, she just she's evolved, which is. I guess kind of an interesting term to use in the, you know, in the context yeah. of this show. Um, but I, I think that, that, uh, you know, she, she's like a, a very moral character, right? Yeah. Like in, almost every time when she has like, she'll make rash decisions because she's in the moment and she doesn't know what else to do. Like when she jumps Paul, he's just like, you know, he's like, what are you doing here? Why are you wearing that shirt? He's asking right. this question. She's just like, uh, <clears throat> she's like, right. like okay, I, I, don't, this I don't know. This is how I get no out of no idea how to answer these questions. So this is probably, I think, the best way I can get out of it. Yeah. Um, so we say it's like maybe not, it's not necessarily a moral decision, but she does all kinds of things. Like when Art gives her the money back, right? Like now this is what she's been trying to do right. the whole time. Right. Take Kira and, and Felix. And run. And but run. what does she do? She gives the money back. Right, she doesn't run. She stays, and and she gives the money back. Um, 
there's just like Helena, you know, obviously she's a threat, but time after time, a number of times she doesn't kill her right. until she does. Well, and, and I think a lot of it, and one of the things you notice, like you had mentioned the hugging from a technical aspect, but you see like one of the scenes that with, with Kira, where Kira just instinctively realizes that, you know, right. yes, Helena's bad, but, but that she, at her core, she's just this, you know, damaged and she goes to hug her and, and, you know, and, and you see, uh, Helena, I think it was Sarah going to hug her and it's kind of awkward, but you know, it's almost like she hasn't had that physical contact oh, oh, yeah. ever. Absolutely. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and that is unusual. I did note that, that when she meets Allison, she instinctively knows that Allison's not Sarah. Right. Right. Um, and then when but she meets Helena, and obviously she knows it's not Sarah, but right. whereas she was kind of like awkward with Allison, she opens the door for Helena. Hey, right. come on in. Right. Crazy lady who we just had tied up in the basement. Or actually, they didn't have her tied up yet. At that <laughs> yeah, not yet. Right. But, uh, you know, like just she's, you know, Mrs. S tells her specifically don't open the door. And but she sees Helena. She's like, hey, yeah, opens the door. Come on in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, again, there maybe is there some kind of empathic talents she has as well as healing talents you know maybe this is going to become maybe she, she can be like an x-man well you're are you you're talking about helena uh kira okay right that's what i was gonna say yeah exactly and and are we going to learn that that's part of you know having been you know the child of a of a clone now right. you know we we still though don't know yet who the father well they they don't necessarily need a father that's the thing about clone because you just need an egg and then the genetic material. Oh, a, oh, right, right, a, right, 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 right. And so there, there's not a father, but there, there is right. The couple probably, was just they were just then she realized they were scientists. Yeah, there's probably right. an original person who, right. like I said, it, at this point, I I suspect is Rachel, is the actual just regular person who uh, they you know probably unwillingly took genetic material from that person to create the clones. Uh, they don't need a father per se, though the original would have a father. If there is a original, maybe the Lita project was they, in, but I doubt in 1977 that they would have had the technology to create from scratch, the D, uh, you know, DNA. For, you know, I, I doubt that. So I'm sure there, there must be an, uh, there is an original um, and who that is. We just don't know at this point. All right, well, why don't we jump ahead to uh, Allison? Okay. Um, you know, since nature versus nurture, I mean, this is uh, before. Actually, before okay. we do, I remember what I was going to say before because this is a funny thing about watching it the second time when you're talking about her memorizing all that stuff. That was, that was like the second episode, I think. And when I saw it, I'm like, God, I thought that was much later. So you had mentioned before about how they answer questions so quickly on this. There's so many times during this, I'm like, Is that wait? That doesn't happen for like another three or four episodes. But no, like it just because everything happens so quickly, a problem comes up, an issue is raised, and then it's like resolved or answered to some degree soon thereafter. Yeah, it just it's a lot of times it happens within one episode. So anyway, that's what I meant to say. Well, right, and okay, so uh, you know, so Allison's the first one that she really meets. I mean, obviously she met Beth, but she didn't get a chance to. To speak to her, so she, you know, you know, we're introduced to Allison Hendricks. I like the fact that they spell Hendricks with an X. Um, the soccer mom from Canada, and that's a, you know, that's a pretty funny scene when she first meets her. 
at the soccer field and, you know, she's cutting up the oranges and just doing all the. Well, you know, as we see later that Allison has this kind of penchant of making everyday objects threatening. Yes. And so she's like kind of waving it. She's not really menacing. Did we uh, do a segment on that one time or something similar? I think we did talk about it because of the, you know, the, uh, the scrapbook torture scene there, which actually, you know, I noticed something with that scene this time. And this was freaking hilarious because you know, like your, your, your typical torture scene, right? The torturer is going to get, is going to have these instruments of torture all around. And so they got the person <laughs> strapped to the chair, right? you know, and so they pull, pull up some gruesome looking knife and kind right. of like smack it in their hand. Well, she pulls like her fancy scrapbooking scissors, you know, right. and she's like kind of smacking her right. hand in front of them. Like, in the and if you notice, there were about like 10 other pair of scissors behind her. Yeah. Well, that's like my wife does scrapbooking. So okay. I, I totally like I knew like everything that she had, like, you know, um, but like the thing she picks she up is keep- a pair of scissors that when you, you cut it, it, it has like a, a little jagged. A frilly line or okay. something like a different pattern and everything uh so to to for her to be menacing her husband with these it was just it was just right because it's just it's totally like a uh you know uh no and, and then and then you know at the end uh ainsley is basically killed with uh with a little monkey right the, no no it's the christmas an angel, angel. An angel. Christmas an angel. A monkey an angel a christmas angel uh, leads to her demise and everything. So it's, uh, you know, these these everyday things that uh, somehow Allison makes very threatening. But, but you know, there, like, you've got this character and we're, you know, we're introduced to her as the soccer mom who, you know, is, is just the stereotypical soccer mom, you know, that, that except she also coaches, apparently. Um, and, and coaches uh, skating, too. Skating, too. And, you know, the you know house in the suburbs, picket fence, uh, you know, the, the whole deal. And yet, uh, and, and compared to Sarah, she seems, you know, almost, um, I don't want to say incompetent, but then, you know, okay, she is the one that teaches Sarah how to shoot. True. Uh, you know, we see that, you know, you mentioned Ainsley. Well, she obviously could have shut the garbage disposal off. And while she's sitting there looking horrified, I guess she wasn't that horrified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that if, what I like about her is that it comes down to her own personal family. You know, not the family of clones, but, right. you know, Donnie and the kids. Well, yeah, her, her – this life. That, and, and that's, you know, a theme we talked about. Uh, when I, yeah, I keep saying that, but, we, um, you know, that, that there's this kind of like dark underside to suburbia. That, yeah. You know, the suburbs are supposed to be this place where you're comfortable and secure, but uh, really the suburbs are an extremely dangerous uh, place here and, and, and messed up because you got like uh, Ainsley's husband who's, uh, you know, a adulterer and who, you know, has sex with Allison in the minivan. Yes. After, well, he's smoking pot in the minivan at first and then he has sex with her out there. Um and you know, and so we Allison, know, we who know is, two of the clones smoke pot at this point, right? Right, exactly. Um, Allison, who's who's popping pills like consistently, and then the right. party, she's washing them down with alcohol. And, and you wonder what she was like. We wonder, you know. And again, maybe we'll find this out in season two. How long have they known about each other? I mean, obviously, at this point, you know, it's it's Allison and Cosima, because Sarah's come to the party late. What was she like before? I mean, because right. now she's like protect my family at all costs. Yeah, I, I assume she was not much different before. Uh, you know, I think this has just kind of exacerbated those those qualities about her. Um, but you know, it's this idea that the the um, 
the comfort and security of of suburbia is a facade. You know, and Felix mentions that on a number of occasions, and that it. Uh, I think my skin's breaking out. Yeah. <laughs> right. What do you say? Because he's being too in proximity to. Uh, what do you say? In proximity to bad architecture. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, you know, which I, I I don't agree with that, but you know, but that there's obviously that's a theme of we we saw it in in Lost Girl the one episode and and I mentioned back then that it was also this episode of of um, uh, of Supernatural uh, was the same thing that there's this dark underbelly to the suburbs and that really everyone's screwing everyone else in the suburbs and everyone's taking pills and, and the kids are all messed up and the parents are all messed up and, and they're un- dissatisfied with their lives and really just holding on to this superficial type of existence, uh, but is causing dissatisfaction in their life, which leads to all kinds of bad things. So uh, yeah, like I said, I don't agree with that being a suburb dweller myself, uh, but uh, I understand it is a theme. I right, know one of the things that, you know, with Allison that I liked was the remember remember when she was suspicious of Donnie and she goes and gets the nanny cam. Right. And then, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. And I'm not sure if she used a nine iron or a wedge, but uh, when she whacks him, right, yeah, knocks okay. him out. And that's when we've got the scene, I, you she, know, I thought it was a dry. Well, no, 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 no it was I definitely. It was a wedge. Yeah. yeah. It might have been a wedge. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's her day to host the neighborhood potluck. And, uh, you know. Again, there aren't a whole lot of. I mean, there are a lot of good like one-liners. Right. You know, well, there's like like broad comic scenes like we see in that episode. Right, and uh, you know, so that so that was pretty good. And and the title of that that was uh, episode six, variations under domestication. And and I guess I thought in, in a lot of ways that was really a pivotal episode. You know, because we see a lot of people, um, you know are finding out about each other. I mean, she finds out that Paul had been Beth's monitor and, you know, that, that we find out that they're holding something over his head, which, you know, we've, we come to learn that he killed uh, six, six soldiers from uh, yeah, friendly fire in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he tells her, you know, so he starts opening up and at this point we don't know whether he's, you know, lying, whatever, but, you know that he he tells her about Olivier, uh, and, and uh, you know the, he doesn't know what the results are for, and you know that sort of thing. Um, but he does place a tracking device on her, and you know seems to be keeping an eye on her through uh, monitor surveillance. So, well, yeah, like uh, yeah, you were talking Paul, right? Yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah. I mean, he he performs experiments on her while she's asleep. Yeah. Well, is it Paul or is it or, or is it? It's Paul. Okay, I think because you know, she says like you like she said you you experimented when you were right. asleep and he's like oh well you know that was just there uh, because it's like weird she's like brush her teeth and she pull, like oh like, yeah that's, that's like one of my really really's right like really like you're performing medical experiments on someone while they're sleeping you forget to take out the huge thing in their the, mouth the like, electrode yeah, yeah it's like come on dude this is like the first time you've done it. Yeah. Um, so maybe it was a cry for help. Maybe he actually wanted to do that, you know. Yeah, and, you know, he really, again, you talk about the different characters and the way they change. And, and obviously, you know, Sarah changes from this, you know, this street thug. Uh, uh, actually, I think he stole, uh, Paul stole my line, uh, you know, the calls her a, some sort of a 
punk ho or whatever, right? Um, you know, into somebody that really, you know, is faced with all sorts of ethical decisions, and she generally makes the right right one. But Paul, you know, he goes from being, you know, kind of a douche to, you know, yeah, a, a, yeah we definitely don't trust him at first, and then we right. find out like that he was Beth's monitor, and but but soon after that, you know, he comes in and and you know, takes care of Vic. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And, and so it starts moving from when he realizes that Sarah's not Beth, um, his feeling betrayed and everything. Then, um, you know, quickly turns in his decision to now I'm going to take care of, of Sarah. Right. I mean, he, but he, he's the reason Beth killed herself. Right. Well, I mean, maybe. well, I thought we, I, I forget who it was that, where we, how we Sarah learn this. Accuse, says that Sarah accuses. Well, I thought it was that that Beth finds something from that Paul wrote that leads her to think oh, he doesn't right. love when her. She's looking through the right. uh, the thing, but but yeah, but I don't know. I, I think she's still kind of making that jump herself to say, well, that's why Beth did it. You know, I don't know if that's why Beth did it okay. because we want. I mean, because we know she Beth apparently is somewhat. Unstable yes. anyway with all the drugs. Like a whole pharmacy, in there, right? right? And and uh, I mean, obviously, we learned that the Maggie Chen, you know, wasn't an accident; it was deliberate, you know, to, you know, to cover, you know, to cover things. But uh, you know, so so you know, but we get the idea that Paul's not this good guy. But now he transforms, and is he in love with her now? It seems like it, you know, but it's it's hard to tell. Yeah. And yeah. and Sarah's apparently not been one for uh, relationships. Uh, does is there a more stupid character than Vic? Okay, no. no. Getting no. your finger cut off in a paper cutter. No, that wasn't enough. Oh, oh wait, let's backtrack. Getting you know however many stitches when she hits you with an ashtray. No, that's not enough. Uh, let's see. She steals your coke. No, that's not enough. Yeah. Okay. Cut your finger. No, that's not enough. It's it's, it's the staple that really does it. Yes. Or not the staple. The, 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 the nail, nail gun. The nail gun. Oh, oh God. He and that guy is a he is hilarious. I mean, Vic is a completely reprehensible character, but um, you know they play. He, he moves very quickly because episode one he's threatening. Yeah, he's a very threatening character, uh, but they quickly make him out to be more for. You know, comic relief. Well, then he goes over and he grabs an apple and he asks Felix, "Is it okay if I take an apple?" Right. Oh, just and the whole thing of how like he needs to unburden himself to Felix, and Felix is like, "Oh, just get out of here!" You know, like, right. like we see this. I mean, I, I think we actually talked about this in the show. This kind of role reversal here, where we think Felix should be the one who's being intimidated and everything like that, and Felix is the one who's like kind of tough and standing up to Vic, and Vic is the one who's needy and has to unburden his heart and all this stuff. Um, and then culminating in the uh, support group where we find Nick, Vic, yeah. so, which was – that was – Well, I think we've segued into loyalty and trust yeah, here as, so, a, as, yeah, a, as a, a theme. And, and, you know, um, I'm not sure Sarah trusts Paul 100%. I mean, I think she's well, – Well, no, because, like, yeah. she does, and then he ends up back with uh, um, Neil – Leaky. Yeah, with Leaky, uh, with Neil Lucian, and – but then – but yeah. he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks well, well, he's right. protecting well, and, her. And, and also he says they still have Afghanistan over me. Right. Like, I, like he's he's big on saying I don't have a choice, which right. isn't true. You do have a choice. You can face the consequences of what you did. Right. So you do have a choice. 
you know, you're just making the wrong one. Right. Um, and so he, uh, but, but at the end, uh, we assume that he, because they're going up in the elevator when she gets the, the, uh, the call from Kasima telling her that they're under patent. Uh, and then the, the, you know, the, the elevator gets to the top and it's empty. So we assume Paul has assisted her in escaping. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I tend to, uh, think that he's got basically good intentions. Yeah, exactly. I, and, and again, you know, that, that each individual only knew what he was doing. He didn't necessarily know the big, he didn't know she was a clone. You know, right. Beth, that is, right? right? right. The so double he, blind. Right. So he learns that along the way. And, and then, of course, you know, another, like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, that the season finale, uh, which was titled, by the way, what was that called? Uh, I don't know, but do you know what the titles are? I do. Okay. Yeah, they're all like um, quotes from uh, Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species. Endless Forms Most Beautiful uh, It was the, the finale. Right. And... You know, as you said, things were happening so quickly. Right, right. Okay, that that that's the one that's not Charles Darwin. That's a a book that was about Evo Devil, as uh, as uh, Kasima says. Okay, um, but you know, there at the end, Donnie. You know, she. It looks like they're getting their life back together. You know, it's like uh, she's known him since high school, and and you know, he's going to go out for a run, and they're you know. That's and another the, really, really moment there. And then, well, <laughs> like really, yeah, I, I know. I like know. At night, he doesn't have any reflective clothing on. Well, you know, and, it's the suburbs, and, and he's not, you know, like a guy who seems like he's done a lot of running in his life. You know, like nope. she's, she but, deserves better, though. He said so. <laughs> she's uh, she's just so happy to get what she deems as her normal life back. That right, like she doesn't ask any questions. Just right, like, okay. She would have been completely suspicious of that four episodes ago. Sure. Um, but that's the thing. Like, Donnie, like, you know, we talk about this double blind with what they did with the, the monitors where they told them they were monitoring, but they didn't know the full story. Well, I think Donnie's like a double blind because it is totally the – obviously, we suspect him at first. The minute we find out they have monitors, we think, first of all, oh, it's probably Donnie, right, it seems like. Um, but then he's so inept – and you know, it's, it's like he's so obviously her handler yeah. that we discount him. We say okay. there's no way he's her handler because it's just way too obvious. This show's a very clever show. They wouldn't do something so obvious. So what? So all our focus then returns to Ainsley. Now it's obviously Ainsley, and the show goes to great pains to make Ainsley totally seem like her mom. Like right. she's really snoopy. But see, but I was buying that she wasn't. You know, in the scene, you know, right before she gets her scarf. Tangled in the, uh, you know, right in the guy. I'm like believing that it's not her now. No, it's not. Yeah, I know. Well, now I know. Right. Oh, oh, oh. When she got her, sc- oh, yeah. Right, because we didn't, we hadn't revealed. We, we hadn't, we haven't got the 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 reveal yet. True. Right. 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 Um. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what I thought the first time around. Honestly, with Ainsley, because I was so back and forth. Because then I started thinking the same thing. Well, they're really trying to make Ainsley seem like she's a monitor. So obviously, clearly, she's not because they're trying to make her. So obviously appear to be. So then I'm thinking, well, who else could be the monitor and everything? Da da da. This that and the other. Um, but uh, you know, so it's he's. I think even that much more insidious that he is so inept that it's almost like purposefully so um, 
to to make it look like I can't be. I'm just a bumbling fool. How on earth could I pull off something like like being a monitor? You know, the whole thing where he, uh, you know, she's she's looking around and she finds the the porno tape uh, DVDs, right? And then you know, so that's what he puts in the box and then leaves the box unlocked so she can find it. Like she wouldn't realize and, that- and tells her what he was really hiding were letters from another woman. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's so, it's so poor. And so, you know, just his whole, it's just, you know, like there's, until he gets in that car with Leaky, I pretty much completely discounted him as any potential of being the actual monitor. Now, what, now what about Cosima? I mean, is Delphine, I mean, I mean, she seems to have just come on the scene. Right. right. So where was her monitor before? Because she says, I've just gotten to Minnesota, so there's no one I know here. Right. Maybe the goofy guy um, in, in the yeah, lab. Yeah, in the lab. <laughs> um, yeah, but again, I think the, the other thing that, that you know, that, that the how long have the monitors been monitoring? And, 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 you know, that, and I was looking at my notes, I'm trying to, and that's, I guess, the problem with having eight pages of notes, you can't find anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they talked about what it is that they're monitoring, and it's, it's not, you know, they're not trying to influence their decisions, but rather watch their reactions right. to the decisions that they make. Right. So that they're really, you know, looking really to see how these well, clones. They're, they're data collectors. Basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Um well, and you know, and that's actually what I meant to say. That part where you know Allison, because I guess I don't even know what we're talking about now. But uh, anyway, but you know, when Allison <laughs> doesn't matter, no, uh, looks out the window and sees the police, because Ainsley's been there now for quite a while. Um, you know, and, and Allison actually has like this little kind of telltale heart kind of moment where she's, um, you know, basically afraid to even step outside the door. But once Donnie comes back. She looks out, sees that the police are arriving. So obviously the body's now been found. And then she's just like, mm, okay, back to my life. So, you know, here now, I mean, and also she's the only one who took the deal with Leaky as well. So she's, again, like you said before, she's just willing to make any kind of sacrifice, uh, corrupt herself and her whatever, uh, in order to maintain this semblance of her life. Yeah. Um, I finally found the thing I was looking for, which was, uh, you know, when, when Sarah and Paul meet uh, Aldous Leakey, you know, like the uh, little nod to uh, yeah, Aldous Huxley. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and he tells them that he oversees the data collection and the well-being of the clones. So, you know, we find, OK, he, he knows their clones. He's just, you know, so he he's just the data collector. And we learn about Tomas that you know he's part of the group that opposes the science. Maggie Chen was working with him, uh, which is why Beth killed him, and that he wants Sarah to bring in Helena to be deprogrammed. And I guess one of the first things we have, to, you know, we're asking ourselves: Well, is he being genuine? Does he really want to bring Helena in to be deprogrammed? Um, and I'm not sure. I know we know the answer to that. Well, I mean, my you know the, my initial. Th- Thing is that he, he's not right. Well, I mean, does he want to? Why? You see, he, he seems to lie a lot. Well, know. but why would he want to kill her? You know, why would anybody? You know, in the uh, is it the Dyad Institute? Is that what it's called? Right. 
I think, yeah. Um, you know, why would they want to kill any of the clones? I mean, the clones, as you mentioned, they are, you know, they are intellectual property of this company and, and that, that the idea is that they're being observed. So I don't believe he really wants to, you know, harm Helena. He wants to, you know, let, let's get her under control so she stops harming the others. Um, but, you know, that, uh, you know, and that's where we learn about, you know, the whole idea that the clones weren't directed, only observed. And then I guess it was Allison. Okay, so we need to know how do clones react when ritually humiliated by friends and relatives, which is, I guess is a reaction to the, uh, the uh, intervention, right. which was uh, pretty funny as well. Um, so, yeah, that was great. And then, well, and then, of course, as we said afterwards, her then retreating to the bathroom and, and Felix is the only person and she pulls out her pills and they, they have that moment where they, they share a little pill. Yes. You know? What's he say? Uh, like Sharesies. Sharesies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, yeah, the whole thing, like, you know, she goes, you blew the roofer and all that stuff. Right. You know, it's like, man, like when she, when, when she. Well, that goes back to the dark side of suburbia, like you mentioned. Exactly. And it, yeah, it's not just Allison. It's, it's, uh, yeah, everyone. It's the whole community. Yeah. Right. Um, but, and, and like in the same episode is when, you know, we see, you know, Sarah goes to the boat and, and we see that, you know, I mean, we already knew this, but now she sees Tomas has her locked in a cage like an animal. It's like, well, geez, no wonder. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And and she lets her out and um, she says, you care. You're all I have now. She, and she she hugs Sarah, I love you, you know. Uh, and then she gets the gun and we're, you know, immediately we're, we're – you know, in fear for Sarah, but, but no, she doesn't shoot him. She just gouges his eyes out yeah, and yeah. then locks him in the cage, which was, up. uh, yeah. They always like the eye gouge, man. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that's what, if we, um, th- there's a good eye gouge in, in 28 days later that, so that we'll, uh, we'll have to watch that for next time. Okay. All right. So loyalty and trust, I guess that's still, uh, that's a, you know, so now, you know, as the, as the season is ending, you know, you know, everything's emerging, you know, that there's this company that's responsible for doing the uh, the cloning experiments. We meet Rachel, who seems to be, uh, you know, businesswoman clone, uh, although we're not supposed to talk about clone. We're not supposed to, you know. It's the C word. Right, right. right. Um, <laughs> Which, again, like that, that's just so in line with Allison's character is that she can't, she doesn't want to face up right. to reality. She wants to keep things right you can see her holding her hands over her ears yeah, right. almost um but you know as they're asking each of the clones to sign a disclosure agreement you know that uh, or, or probably more to the point a non-disclosure right non-disclosure um and that uh, agree to be examined and tested twice a year non-invasive according to leaky um and that uh, you know that basically we want to continue monitoring you because you yeah. are really part of you. Okay, you know that now. Yeah, it, it uh, like kind of reminds me of uh, the the deal uh, Colonel Cathcart offers you Sarian in Catch Twenty Two. Like, just want to be your friend, be our friend. You know, like that's all. You just got to be come into the fold, be part of the the status quo, and we're cool. That's really kind of. It seems like that's what the deal is. You right. Know? Right. Like you just be cool with us. We'll be cool with you. And right. Everything. That's that's the contract. And uh, like Yosarian, uh Sarah says. Up yours, pro clone. Well, that's yep. not what you're saying. Well, see, says, and, and then of who's left. I mean, all, you know, in, in fact, uh, Allison signs it, right? Right. She's the only one. Right. One down, two to go. Um, 
Sarah, there is going to be no way, you know, uh, certainly she wants her life back, but, yeah. you know. I, and Kasima, because, you know, they, they dangled the carrot, but the, right. the carrot was, you know, deleted itself or whatever. Well, it's that intellectual curiosity. It's like what. Right. You, well, you, because I knew that's what she would go for. Right. right? But they didn't, which leads me to say why Delphine is probably, you know, a good guy, a good girl, good, good person at this okay. point, because she's the one who says, you know, check what he gave you. I bet you it's not there anymore. Okay. You know, as far as the DNA sample or the, the, what I can't remember, but right. yeah. Um, and it wasn't correct. Right. Yeah. But, but then they were, you know, uh, Oh, right. They, th- she helps, uh, you know, Kasima crack it so that she then, you know, discovers the, um, you know, the barcode at the end, the, the message, which is, uh, Grammatically incorrect. I don't know if you, you noticed that. I didn't notice that. Um, a subject verb agreement error in that. You want the, the uh, let me the, the message is uh, uh, <clears throat> this organism and derivative genetic material is restricted intellectual property. Now it, it should be this organism derivative genetic material are restricted intellectual property. Well, that wasn't your mistake. That was uh, that was theirs because I copied it the same way. Right. I'm not saying it's my mistake. I'm saying it's their mistake. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, you yeah. of course wouldn't make that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just, yeah, I saw it. Like the first thing, you know, and this is where being like nerdy, like gets in the way. Cause like, you know, I, I mean, I didn't notice it the first time, obviously, but the second time, like all I could think is what? Oh, that's a blatant subject for agreement there. Come on now. All right. So, you know, in, in episode six, we're introduced to Delphine, another attractive lab nerd who uh, kind of bonds with Cosima and, you know, they decide that they want to get out of there, um, you know, do something fun. And, and they go to a lecture on Neolution by Dr. Aldous Leakey. And, and, and uh, you know, so, so we start learning, you know, about uh, the first thing we see are all the, uh, the people that have one white eye, right, yeah. um, you know, and that, uh, uh, that it's self-directed evolution and, um, you know, I've seen, you've probably seen some of those things on, I don't know, National Geographic Channel or whatever, these people that, you know, the guy gets, he gets horns, uh, uh, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and whether it's tattoos or whatever, but uh, evolution at a self-directed pace. And he uses that, that in his lecture, the example of, uh, I think it was Plato with, uh, you know, his hearing was going bad, his right, vision yeah, was bad yeah, yeah. and his, he was limping. And if we could correct his vision and he'd think we were gods. And, and obviously, you know, I, you know, we know that's not the case, but, uh, you know, not too much after that in the same episode, Paul meets Olivier and, and, you know, at that point, we, you know, he actually lies uh, about Beth and, you know, he's told, you know, don't interfere. And we start to, you know, some of the pieces uh, of the puzzle start, you know, uh, making themselves apparent. As long as your subject, subject makes her own choices, there are no wrong decisions. And, you know, so we start to, uh, you know, see Paul starting to cover for Sarah because, you know, he knows she's not Beth at this point, mostly from the sex. <laughs> Apparently Beth was a, uh, I think she was described as a cold fish. I, I believe that's the term they use. Yes. Right, because uh, that was apparently in the reports. Um, but this Olivier has a tail. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what the point of that was, yeah. but. Uh, I, I mean, I guess if. You know, it's it's a like functioning the, tail. It's like the, the, these kids who like you know file their teeth or or wear like the cat's eye contacts. It's just like 
if it's something you're into whatever you know <laughs> but you know it's like funny because he just wants to like show he's like you want to see it right you know he's like starts to pull his pants down like yeah you know the funny it's kind of like a reverse phallus or something like that you know? yeah it's like well it's like a a flasher in reverse or something you know well helena took care of that yeah oh um, my god that was gross yeah but uh you know i mean I mean, on the one hand, this whole the whole concept of neolution and and you know, uh, as best we could find, it does not really exist. It's not really a, uh, a yeah. If like as far as I can see, neolution is the name of a company that is promoting gaming. Yeah. In, in South Asia, <laughs> right? Um, um, so uh, yeah. Uh, but but I, I this this had to come from somewhere. I mean, there's I, I imagine there's you know, people actually, you know, believe this out there. People who are into this idea that we can, I mean, it's not on far off the path of what we're talking about with the cloning and genetic engineering. And genetic that, augmentation. Right. And, through know. science, through artificial means, we can change our basic selves. Right. Yeah. And well, obviously we're doing that now, you know, so whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a nose job. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, exactly. I've, I've heard that there are even breast jobs out there, but can you do that? They, uh, that's what I hear. That's outstanding. So, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I'm not sure I'm in favor of that, but, uh, that's yeah. a story for another day. It, it seems, you know, I mean, part of it seems so far fetched because we see, you know, once they show the tail, it's like you almost lose all respect for this as a movement. But, right. you know, at the end of the day. And, but, you and, know, it's like, but it's a working, like he, it, it moves, yes. you know, it's like, so you think it's a tail. So he's just going to like droop down. It's going to be like a little pigtail. But no, it's like a tail like that. Uh, uh, it's just, ah, uh, it's so weird. So, uh, and then the, ah, uh, just, oh, God. All right. What about Mrs. S? We haven't really talked much about oh, her. Oh, I would love to talk about Mrs. S. I'm going to say something. Maria Doyle Kennedy, back in 1990, 1991, she was just Maria Doyle. Okay. She was in a little movie called The Commitments. Okay. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah about the she band. She played Natalie, and I was in L-O-V-E really? with her back then. So when I saw, you know, I mean, she's, she's much older, but she's still very, very quite fetching, you mm -hmm. know. But, you know, I saw her in Orphan Black. I'm like, oh. <gasps> That's Natalie. Well, oh I would have I would have said my first experience because, but that was my first experience with with her was that uh, w was in the uh, Henry VIII series, The Tudors. Oh, she's in the Tudors. Yeah, she oh, she's Catherine of Aragon, yes, his right. first wife. That's right. I I actually saw like the first two episodes of The Tudors, so I knew that. Um, but just her, oh, her voice is gorgeous. She's just she's a beautiful. Her voice is. Beautiful, the Irish. She's everything. Irish woman of no, she's great. It's too bad that we're finding out she's not who she <laughs> well, says she is. Right, but that doesn't mean she's bad, you know. And well, that's, and and that's part of the beauty of this show. That's what you can see. Like she, I think, her as she looks at yeah, you're right, you're right, exactly. Because just because right. she like because people who seem bad aren't really like that. And that's we said with like Felix and everything. Um, because she looks, I think she looks at Sarah with with real concern. I I know that she has a a real um, love for Kira and, and wants to protect her. So that's why I think, um, or does she? You know, I, I think so. I think so. Okay. I, I don't think that's playing around. I th you know, it's one of those things. Like Sally would like this. I was looking at the looks she gave because I know mm -hmm. you know watching the second time around. Right. I know what what happens with her. So I'm paying more attention to how she interacts with Sarah and Kira to see if it's genuine. I'm 
I'm pretty sure that watching this time around, I'm pretty sure she's genuine. That's why okay. when I, the first time I watched it at the end, I was like, Oh, Rachel called Mrs. S. Mrs. S is still somehow in line with the neolutionists and, and she's taking Kira to bring her to the neolutionists. Now this time around, after watching her reactions and her interactions with her family, I'm almost positive that she has taken Kira and has run away to save her from these these bad people. Okay. Well, now why she would pick that moment? I'm not. See, that's the thing. I'm well, and the house about. was trashed. Right. So, so maybe she like saw. I, you know, I don't know. You see, you know, it, it's the one thing I thought about, and this is probably unlikely. I think your scenario is probably you know much more likely. Is that Kira went out the window on her own? Is that you know because we've got right, the yeah scene. right because like the, right the windows open so why would Mrs S well if if they were being like if the house is being broken into in some right. way they were might. they tearing the house apart to look for Kira right oh I, almost undoubtedly they were. but I mean was Mrs S part of that search oh well again I don't I don't think so. I, th- I think she went out with Kira. I, you know I think probably. I, I like your idea that that Kira went out there, but I think Mrs. S went out there too. You know that they're home. Uh, the bad guys show up, and they get out the best way they can, so they climb out the window and somehow escape. Okay, there maybe. All right. If we were doing predictions, I think my prediction would be that uh, Kira went out on her own. Okay. Because and mine would be that Mrs. S. Took okay. Her. All right. Um, we will see. All right. So but by the time that happens, we're not going to remember. Right. Um, and, and I and I definitely noticed the things you talked about. You know the 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 obviously the relationship she's had with uh, Sarah over the years has been tenuous at best and, right. and probably contentious more often than not. And Felix kind of caught in the middle because he, you know, adores Sarah so much, but he also, you know, I, I, I think adores Mrs. S for well, what she re- gave him. Least, yeah. Respects. You yeah. Know, more so than, um, and, than, and, than and fears so, as well. And so, you know, things were, you know, just Sarah putting her hand in Mrs. S's hand, you know, as, as the episode. Well, and then they on. hug and there's, right. so there's a lot of little things that happen that show that, that these two have reconciled and, and that as the series uh, progresses, what starts off as, you know, obviously very hostile has turned into a, you know, pretty uh, close relationship there. And at the end of the day, she knows at least she thinks she knows that Mrs. S has Kira's best interests at heart and she trusts her, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, But obviously the, the, the monkey wrench that's thrown into the mix is at the end with the photograph that we were talking about before that uh, I think we are to assume that she's the female scientist in the picture. Mm -hmm. And that is she now part of this, you yeah, know, this whole crazy group that they were whole, part of. You right. Know, like, that, that, you know, we've heard the NIAD Institute mentioned and then, you know, uh, LIDA, is that what it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the LIDA project, which is probably part of the NIAD Institute. So that it just seems as if she's part of it. And, and the birth mother, Amelia, was that her Amelia, name? Amelia, yeah. Not the Doctor Who, maybe? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. That's probably a stretch. That's stretch, yeah. Uh, <laughs> although you never know, BBC America, come yeah. on. Um, you know, it is trying to get that across that she, Mrs. S is not who she says she is. Sure. So, you know, that could be again one of the things about these kinds of shows is it red flag or red herring? 
Yeah. So right, and you, you can't tell because yeah, like like I said, I mean, with the the whole who is Allison's hand, uh, monitor, it was totally yeah, like you could you couldn't tell with a red flag. The red the red flag I thought was a red herring, but it turned out to be a red flag. Right, and then the red herring that I thought turned out to be the red, I don't know, whatever. I just I was all confused because they just tur- flip things over all the time, and I mean it's just, it's just so just so so well done, you know, just um, how how they do that, how they play on on your expectations as a viewer, and the conventions of the thriller, um, you know, they mess with that in order to mess with us a little bit, you know, which is cool. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Right now. Uh, are we going to find any more clones? You know, looking ahead to season two. I mean, we've got four left, and and well, you know, well maybe three if you consider that Rachel's the original. Um, right, and and just because Rachel said, you know, that thing about uh, one hood. down, two to go. Oh, well, that uh, just meant about oh oh right, but you, you we we might take that to mean that oh there's only three, but maybe they have the others already locked up under contract. You right, know, like, true. So. Right, and and we assume that the you know the Danielle Fournier, you know Yannicka Zingler, Ariana Giordano. I mean, were they killed because they? Or, I mean, were they just killed by Helena? You know, did she just assassinate them? Yeah, I think. Um, are we, yeah, I mean, we can assume that, but but, but maybe then not. They, we've got the other thing where uh, some could have died by. Because they're they're sick, right? As we're seeing from Cosima now, coughing up the blood. So, you know, and we, and we already learned that uh, who did we learn died from the respiratory? Um, because you know we did hear about that before that they developed respiratory problems. Um, uh, I, I can't remember. Okay, but but clearly now Casima is coughing up blood, and yeah, um, obviously not a good sign. But, yeah, I mean, looking ahead to season two, I mean, there's so many – look, obviously where, you know, the search for Kira. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's obviously – Is, that's is the first. main focus. Yeah. Um, obviously, Paul is going to, you know, help her because he – that's what he does. He's a in, former intelligence officer. Sure. And uh, does he still work for, you know, you know, she hasn't – you know, she's still rogue, so to speak. So does he still work for, you know, the company? Yeah, you know he was Beth's. Yeah, uh, monitor, well, I mean he not did. He helped, you know, he helped Sarah escape, so that might you know put him in an awkward position. But I mean that's the thing with the show. I mean, we just assume because it's like a, it's it's another ten episode next season, right? I, I think I don't know if they've said, but I would think so. Um, I, I think I read it was good. But be but see, episodes, I guess so. at, at you know when you look at the big picture, it's a corporation, and what do corporations like to do? Make a profit. Right. So, you know, these are, this is their intellectual property. They don't want, right, you know, that's what uh, Leakey's trying to get across, and I believe him about this. We, we want you to be safe. Right. You know, you're going to help us make money. Yeah, but, you know, you think there – you just feel like there's a better way they could go about it. Well you – know? <laughs> Like if you really wanted to convince these people that you're interested in their safety, there's, there's, it seems to me that you could make yourself more like – Believable, more, more trustworthy, uh, and they. You know, but I don't, but if you think about it, like it's not like he's not the one going around killing people. They just have monitors. Really, that's the the bad thing that they've done is they just had monitors. Around. Right, and and part of the problem is that that Tomas, and you know through Tomas, Helena is going around killing them, and and well, and so everyone's freaking out. Like, right, and then those are those two sides are at opposition. So you know that's not something they've probably had to deal with in the past. Right. 
So now, and now, I just don't trust Max Headroom that much, though. You know. Oh, uh, good point. <laughs> oh, I knew I. Uh, oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, the minute I saw Matt Frewer, I'm like, hey, Matt Frewer. Because, yeah, you know, he hasn't done, like, a ton of stuff. No. Absolutely. God, what a dummy. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, you know, are we going to find out that there are other clones? I mean, you know, like when I mentioned my wife said, oh, I'll bet Felix is a clone. Yeah, that would be – I think that would be a little too obvious. But are are we going to find out that there are other genetic duplicates that that you know that don't look like yeah but i I think felix's absence at the end of that you know at the end of that 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 last sequence is telling i think that's telling yeah that we don't know where he was at all and i think that's significant for sure did you say earlier in this podcast has gone on for so long i can't remember whether you said this there that (laughs) that he's her handler he's her monitor I, I, i I I think it's possible. Okay. Because like that that line they put in there, like why would you do that? Why would they have that line? We're like, well, maybe I'm your handler because he says it, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and and she's like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, like why why would they do that unless there was maybe a little bit of something to that? Because like really, like this show doesn't really waste words. Like a, a lot of what they said is almost everything is is significant in in some way or another. Um, and, you know, I don't see this. This isn't a show that has throwaway lines. No. And so when they had that line, I'm like, wow. Just like the whole motherhood thing that Rachel says. Like I said, they don't like that seems like a throwaway line, except for the fact that this show doesn't have throwaway lines. So that means it is significant. Right. Now, what else? I don't know. I think we've covered. Uh, yeah, we've covered a lot. Pretty much um, most of it. I mean, like, you know, like a little bit like art. I guess, we, you know, just to say that. You know, with his role in this, because he's covering for um, Sarah the whole time. Uh, yeah, well, he's, but we do find out he's really covering for himself. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, it it seems like – I don't know if he takes it to a degree where he should – but still, my, my whole – like, at first, obviously, Art is – we don't trust him at all right. at first because he's got the money. He won't give it back. He's standing in the way of Sarah getting her daughter, getting, which right. we're totally behind that. Um, but you know, then we see, you know, and there's actually, it was funny because there's that scene where they like, they meet like this big open area and they like pull up next to each, each other in the car and they open up the windows and talk and then he pulls away. She like does a three point turn to like, I'm like, really? Like you could just pull forward and, and turn around. Like it's a big open space. Like you don't need to back up at all. Like, so, um, but you know, so I, I, but but there's that you know I think Sarah has kind of reached a, a level of trust with our obviously because uh, you know she has Felix say if if I'm not back right. she's in the club she says if I'm not back in like like 15 minutes I think she said mm-hmm. call this number and it's Art and then and then she leaves a message for Art saying that you're the only one I trust to to figure this all out and everything right um, and so I, I think th- there is a level and, and by the end of the, the series I, I I see Art as much more sympathetic than he was. Well, God, he's got Aoife for a partner, so I mean, <laughs> right, right. When, and and she's great too because she's all the you know, she's just like yeah. the straight up like what's what's the problem? Like, like yeah. she's so she's so frustrated by him because she's like it's totally her. yeah like she she wants to bust her. She's like let's go arrest her now. He's like ah, man, let's, let's, let's just wait a little bit. She's like. What you know, and so eventually she then goes to the the lieutenant, uh, whoever the, their boss, or right? Um, 
but yeah, but yeah, she's she's. So that's the one lost girl reference for tonight's podcast, and I can't think of the actress's name that plays Aoife. Uh, Oh, yeah, once again, we've 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 been at this impasse before. Yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, I mean, the interesting thing it's it's as he figures out each, you know, the identity of each dead body, and that each one in turn looks like Beth. you know, it's really interesting to see you know, because cloning is the last thing he's going to th- – and, and she nearly tells him, right? I mean she's, it's, she's going to tell him, right? They've got her handcuffed to the table and I think she's – she doesn't know what else to do. Yeah, well, I mean she's like, okay, yeah, yeah. She definitely is right about to uh, to tell him. And then the lawyer comes in and we know him from something. Was he in Battlestar Galactica? I don't uh, – I he, kind of recognize him but yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't go to like – I didn't IMDB him. Yeah, um, we made that a verb now. Like, yeah, it like is. You like go- Google something. Um, yeah, but uh, he, she, okay, Inga Kadronel. Okay, that's Eva. Is Eva? Okay, yeah. So, so she's she's awesome in this, and yeah. and uh, I mean she appears probably in about maybe three or four episodes of the ten. Well, I think she's in almost in almost all of them. Oh, is she? Yeah. I, I, I mean, again, I, I didn't go to IMDb, but uh, you know, I, I think she's in. In, in, in pretty much all of them, you know, it's just, uh, again, never like a, a huge part. I mean, the, probably the biggest one is when they're investigating, um, the Katya's when they find Katya's body. Um, and, and that's really when she was first, you know, becomes arts partner rather than, um, rather than, than Sarah slash Beth. Right. That's probably was her, you know, the most line she had. When you get back to the the loyalty thing again, you know that that Art, you know, compromises his, you know, police ethics to help his partner. Yeah, on a number of occasions. right, 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 on a number of occasions. But the original one with the Maggie Chen shooting, and then you know after that, and uh, you know, and and that you know she's uh, you know Sarah posing as Beth, you know, starts to develop this level of trust with him. And then here along comes Angie and uh, his new partner, and, and geez, he, he can't trust her for anything, and, and she betrays his trust. Right. Well, so. but, I mean, in, in her situation, I probably would have done the same thing, though. Yeah. You know? Like, you want this investigation to go well, forward. Well, they said you give it to the end of the day. And, you yeah, know. But, she, she, but she's, like, tired of hearing that. You yeah, know? Like, I guess. she's been putting up with this for a while now, for, like, three episodes. She's trying to push this case forward. She wants to solve this case. And Art is, like, dragging his heels. He's almost obstructing the case. And she suspects it's because he's got some misplaced loyalty for to his old partner mm-hmm. that he can't get over. And so, you know, she just does what she has to do. Now, should she have done it? Well, obviously, no. As far as loyalty goes, Right, there's an issue there. But I also kind of think that, well, and I, I think probably in the same situation, I, I started feeling, I think I was annoyed by her the first time around, but the second time around, now I'm thinking, I, I, I get it. I see her frustration here. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so the lawyer, uh, the lawyer we assume is, you know, the sent by Rachel. Well, we know he is because yeah. we see him at right. the office building. Right. So we're, we're still left with the fact that the police department has these, unsolved murders with all these girls that look the same. And, you know, yeah. I, I, I got to believe that art is still going to be a primary focus in season two, as he's trying to, you know, figure out what the heck's going on. Anyway. Well, but I, it seems like we're winding down, but one more thing that I just, I realized I got, cause trying to show how smart I am. Um, 
you know, when Allison is going to go and play Sarah, right? Um, she says, well, I was, uh, you know, I was in Pygmalion and then she, or not Pygmalion, she was in my, I was in My Fair Lady. She says, the Rhine in Spain falls right. me, you know, in the plane, which is from uh, My Fair Lady. Well, that, even before she said that, I was like, you know, I noticed that what Allison totally represents and what we talked about here is this kind of middle-class morality, which is a big part of Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw, mm-hmm. um, Eliza's father, I can't remember his name, Mr. Doolittle, right, um, in Pygmalion doesn't want to become respectable. He doesn't want money. Uh, you know, um, Henry Higgins offers him money. He's like, no, don't, because you give me that money, and then I'm going to have to, like, be respectable. I have to use it. I have to be responsible, and I don't want to be that. Uh, it, I don't want to take on that, quote, unquote, middle-class morality, and that is what Allison epitomizes, that middle-class morality where, you know, she has, you know, like she can't live as she necessarily wants to. I, well, not, not necessarily. I mean, I guess she. We assume she is living as she wants to, but but she has this whole facade she has to keep up. She can't live life honestly and truthfully, uh, like uh, Mister Doolittle does. So yeah, I just figured I had to show point out that literary reference there. All right, all right. Well, if you guys haven't figured out by now that we just absolutely love Orphan Black, I mean, you know, it, it, look, it's it's easy to throw out, you know platitudes like you know the best uh genre series out there i mean there are so many good ones right now but it's it's certainly one that that it's up there that that that, that you just shouldn't miss it yeah uh, I, I was you know i was slightly annoyed that that i had to take notes during it like i try like i i kept my computer like closed up and off this side just within reach so when something hit me I, i'd write it down but i was like i don't want to take notes or i just want to watch it. it's just so good so enjoyable that all right. Well, it looks like next time uh, we're going to do something with zombies, and and uh, I think I, for sure let's 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 watch uh, let's let's do Shaun of the Dead, okay, and Twenty Eight Days Later. Now I know if if you are a zombie fan out there, you're like, well, let's go. Like you got to do some Romero, dude. You got to watch Romero. Well, yeah, true, but I just want to go with like two fairly you know modern ones, though uh, both those movies are quite a few years old now at this point. Um, and then one where the, the 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 zombie genre is kind of toyed with, as in Shaun of the Dead, and one a movie that's kind of pushed it maybe to its next level as far as as uh, Twenty Eight Days Later did, where it's still a very serious, spooky kind of horror movie as far as zombies, but much different than the shuffling uh, zombies that we see in like Dawn of the Dead. All right, I have seen Zombieland, by the way. Okay, yeah, I've seen Zombie Land too, but Shaun of the Dead is so much better. Have okay. you seen Shaun of the Dead? I have not, dude. You're gonna thank me. Yeah. Okay, I trust me. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna thank me. It's right. such a good movie. You're gonna love it. That sounds good. Yeah. So, so I'll, you know, uh, put some tweets out letting you know, uh, you know, as we're getting closer, and hopefully, uh, you're enjoying the Take Five little. Uh, uh, mini podcasts, uh, mini casts that that I've been putting up there, and hopefully Wayne will oh, yeah, I'll do get someone. I'm, I'm just busy right now. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> but I got I got one. I'm thinking that I got one in mind. I just need to, okay. need to write it out. All right. Um, oh, by the way, I said that Rigel is a freaking puppet, not a damn puppet. Okay. That, well, well I'm still trying. I'm still trying to keep it uh, <laughs> off the. Ex- get the. Uh, oh, okay. We don't well, want do you the think damned is worse than freaking? Uh, no, I guess not. Well, maybe. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. All right. Anyway, it sounds very fifty-ish. I guess. You know, like, <laughs> like you're back in like a Ray Bradbury 
Facebook or something. Yeah. All right. As always, you can drop us a line at fatalistpodcast at gmail.com. You can check out the website, fatalist.podbean.com. You can leave us a voicemail. Uh, click the green tab on the right side. I guess it's still green. I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, you're limited to 90 seconds there, but you know, in this day and age, everybody knows how to record an MP3. So record one and send it as an attachment. Um, I noticed there's been a little bit of action on Facebook. Uh, I, don't look, I don't look at that a lot. I mean, you know, not, not you or I, but, um, some of the listeners yeah. and, uh, continue to access us through iTunes. So until next time. No, Dave, you need to hide your ugly face on the way out of here.